my wife once asked me why I don't post more pictures of of her on my social media pages. And I'm like, whenever I do, you tell me to take it down because you don't like the picture or the angle ain't right or whatever. So is there any other man out there that has a set folder or a file of pictures that are wife approved? Because I do. I have wife approved pictures. So if I ever post a picture of my wife, it's a picture that she's already posted. I just go to her Instagram page. I can just, okay, she likes that picture. I'm going to post that one. Because obviously she did what she needed to do with it. It has the light, right lighting, all that stuff. So now I can post that picture to say how much I love her. Anybody else? Because, you know, I've seen memes and videos of people talking about how, you know, you know, Bay is, is a great picture. I can't take a picture of my wife to save my life. That's good. But I don't feel that bad because I've yet to see a picture that my wife likes of herself by even professional photographers use your head i know what you think it's thinking like that that keeps the world the way it is especially when you're thinking of a master plan big man tell us what's on your mind yes sir welcome to the mind of med podcast episode four i'm your host big med and let me tell you about this podcast today it is a sports podcast because the super bowl is here in atlanta and i got a chance to talk to some sports broadcasters while we're in radio row here at the Georgia World Congress Center. So I got a chance to talk to Mike Golick Jr., who is a co-host on Golick and Wingo, you know, with his dad, Mike Golick Sr. I talked to Mike Holly, who's a Boston journalist who's been covering the, the Patriots since 2001. Okay, since 2001, he's been covering the Patriots. Also, he used to be on Around the Horn. He, he was one of my favorite guys on Around the Horn back in the day on ESPN. So I got to talk to him about being a Boston journalist and how his career has taken off. And lastly, my man J.R. Bangs in town. He was also out there with me on Radio Row. And we get to talk about our thoughts on the Super Bowl and Anthony Davis. If you're a sports fan, this is the episode for you. But first, let me tell you what's on my mind. The story about Jesse Smollett uh, being attacked early Monday morning is is crazy. Um, first of all, prayers going out to him because what whatever people are saying right now, he was literally attacked. You know, he, he had some busted ribs. Um, bleach was poured on him. Uh, he had a noose around his neck. You know, they say the assailants, you know, called him, you know, the F word, called him, you know, the N word, and said this was MAGA country. And, you know, all this happening at 2 a.m. in the morning after he left Subway, a Subway restaurant because he was hungry. And, you know, a couple things that, that came out to me about the situation when I, when I thought about it, you know, being that I, you know, worked in Chicago and I know the city a little bit. Where he was at was actually a, an area that got cameras all over the place. It's by the Chicago River, by the, this AMC um, theater, right around the corner from the AMC theater. Um, there's some restaurants in that area. So there should be cameras to catch this. Unfortunately, it seems like the Chicago Police Department saying the only thing that they see is him being in the Subway restaurant. There's no footage of the attack. But obviously, the man has been attacked. He, he's, he's beaten up. The questions that are coming up right now, the things that I thought about initially were 2 a.m., you know, 20 below, 30 below zero outside. Who's outside with a noose and some bleach? This has to be a setup. Like somebody literally set up Jussie to get attacked. And not just anybody, it had to be a friend because who knew he was gonna be at the subway at two in the morning? That makes no sense because, let me be honest, this cannot be a random attack because there's nobody walking around the streets of Chicago at 2 in the morning with bleach in the noose. Not happening. So, of course, this has to be a, a direct attack against Jussie. And he's been the subject of death threats coming through the mail. So, I understand that. 
Another thing I thought about, if he wasn't set up, because like I said, it wasn't a random act. The only other thing I can think of is that he had put himself in a situation that he shouldn't have been in that led to this to this happening. And he didn't want it to get out of what really happened. And so he made up this narrative to cover his ass. That's the only other thing I can think of. Either one, he was set up by some people that he knew who like, only they knew where he was. Or number two, something happened where he didn't want the public to know that got out of hand and he created this narrative. Either way, you know, I, I just hope that Jussie recovers because this this is a serious situation where he's just walking the streets at two o'clock in the morning and he got jumped somehow, some way. So prayers going out to Jesse, and I, I really, 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 really hope, sad to say, that it comes out that it happened the way that he reported it because you don't want to give Trump any reason to start crying out fake news. You don't want that. But go, let's go ahead and start the show. My first guest is Mike Golick Jr., who's the co-host on Golick and Wingo on ESPN, and I got a chance to talk to him during Super Bowl week in Atlanta. Mike Golick Jr., how you doing, boss? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I just got down here this afternoon, and I'm glad. I heard all this stuff about inclement weather coming through. Maybe I get down here. It's sunny and beautiful, so I appreciate yeah. you guys rolling out the red carpet down here. Hell. That, that, that's Georgia, bro. Yeah. <laughs> that, that is just, I, I got up this morning, I'm like, no snow, a little bit of rain. Yeah, they tricked us yet again. <laughs> Sounds about. See, I was expecting to come down here and Chipper Jones was going to be saving me off the highway and everything, bust the ATV out. I was ready for the experience. Man, I, and, and, and nothing to be worried about. So uh, I'm just glad that you're here. You have the uh, Rams versus the Patriots. You have golf versus, you know, the, you know the storylines. Oh, yeah. Age, you, know, the, you know, the old geniuses and, and the young wonders coming up. So how much do you think age and experience, uh, to be honest with me, with me is going to help or hurt? in this in this game i i think it's huge like that kind of stuff especially just the level of experience like there's experience and then there's being here nine times the way brady and belichick have there's being here the last three years i mean joe tooney their right guard is starting his career starting his third straight super bowl in three <laughs> seasons nuts. like that's just not normal and so the thing where it helps the most is and i you know i remember i played in a national championship in college against a team in alabama that was very familiar with the stage and you get familiar with the mechanics of all this stuff like gotcha. the patriots have gone through Super Bowl opening night and they know how to navigate through your family hitting you up for tickets and going through that process and the travel and it just normalizes the rest of it so it's easy for them to focus on football because that's what your coaches spend the most time doing you're in the routine of game planning and everything your coaches spend the time down here in the support staff trying to make sure that everything else is sort of sheltered away from you and you can just focus on the football portion of things so then you know when you talk about it like that you think about the situation with the Patriots and it's like it should be a win for them in my mind. It should be a win for them. But we saw even last year with a whole bunch of new guys to the, to the Super Bowl against a veteran team that, you know, there's ways of tripping up the Patriots. How can the Rams beat the Patriots in, in this environment when this is Brady's ninth time and the third time for a lot of these guys? Yeah, in a row? I think you've got to capitalize on big plays and protect. I think those are the things that you saw really show up for them against New Orleans because the one thing about the Patriots is they can certainly cover on the back end on defense. They'll man you up and they'll stick with your guys. And, you know, Belichick's always going to double your best receiver and then put Gilmore on you, whoever you've got as your number two. And so finding creative ways the way the Rams offense did, it took them, and you watched them in that Saints game, it took them about a half. You didn't really see a lot right. of Brandon Cooks. Right. And then that two-minute drill, when all of a sudden you stop maybe thinking as much and you let your quarterback and your guys go out there and play, all of a sudden you hit one deep pass to Brandon Cooks, and that offense opened up opened in the second up, yep. half in major ways. So it's playing that chess match through the first portion, but it's all going to start with protecting golf because Trey Flowers has been sensational for New England on uh -huh. the D-line. They've gotten pressure on everyone they've gone against. So for the Rams, it is finding a way to make sure that, you know, yeah, you want to get Todd Gurley going and you want to get him out and use him in the passing game, and C.J. Anderson's been great, but how do you also take advantage of those guys in protection? 
action? How do you mix it up enough to make sure that you account for what has been a, a Patriot rush that we didn't talk about during Not the season all. and now during the postseason has come on in a way you have to so, account Sonny for? Sonny Michel has been really, really killing it, and he's back home. Because we're talking about experience, let's talk about the, the Rams playing in New Orleans, beating New Orleans, beating a, a veteran uh, qu- quarterback and coach in – in New Orleans, you know what I'm saying? Like, I, well, that has got to mean something for them coming into this game. Absolutely, and to be down as much yes. in that game as they were in the first half. And uh, honestly, the guy that when we looked around at the final four grouping of quarterbacks in right. the playoffs, you got Patrick Mahomes, who's probably going to be the MVP of the league this year when they have the uh, honor show at the end of the week down mm-hmm. here. You got Tom Brady and Drew Brees who are going to walk into the Hall of Fame. Right. And then you have Jared Goff, who's the only number one overall pick in that group, but the only one we kind of doubt along the way. Right. And you saw enough big plays from him, especially when things broke down in that game against mm-hmm. New Orleans against a team that had rushers and that stopped the run really well that I thought all right you know what maybe we have to give him a lot more credit for the way he's going to handle this stage and I think when you look at that it's going to be the maturity under center for that guy there we know about the pieces around him but he showed everyone in a big stage on the road like you mentioned last right. week that maybe he's more up to the task than we gave him credit for yeah and and it's just amazing like <laughs> the Jeff I mean, poor Jeff Fisher <laughs> oh I know <laughs> it's like it's just like Man, it, get, it couldn't have gone any worse for him to have him leave. And then Jared Goff is like, oh, he doesn't suck. It's amazing. It, you know what? And, and so many guys get buried by fit in the NFL, right. whether it's coaching, whether it's the scheme you end up in. It's amazing how many great players maybe don't get to maximize that potential just because, like everyone else, we're all kind of a victim of the spot you end up in. I am happy for Jeff Fisher. I saw one of my friends, Charlotte Wilder, who works over at SI, did a feature piece uh-huh. with him, You know, went out, and Jeff's looking, Jeff's looking fit. He's, He's fishing and everything now. You can see. I mean, coaches age, in, coaches age in the presidential years, so yeah. he looks a lot more relaxed. And uh-huh. Maybe he gets back into coaching. I know for a lot of these guys, they can't give it up, but right. certainly happy to see him at least living well because a lot of people are going to take shots yeah. at him. Yeah, so uh, what do you think? Who do you, who do you got? I got the Patriots winning this one. It's one of those things. I picked against them twice on the road to get here. I thought Chargers were going to be the ones right. to maybe start to topple the dynasty. I picked Patrick Mahomes in that high-powered offense. I'm done picking against them. Hey, what, what do you think about just the, the two teams getting in based on calls? From the refs. Think yeah. about it. From D Ford to the pass interference that wasn't called, both these teams basically got in on, on a call that, whether it's right or wrong, they got in that, that, that way. Yeah, so for the Patriots side, it's a testament to their discipline, right? Because, uh, you know, defensive offsides lining up in the neutral zone, that is why at every, the start of every offseason program, you got that one coach that's just bleeping you the whole way, mm-hmm. telling you, Toes behind the line, hand behind the line, all these things that when you're gassed, you don't want to hear. But when you get in that moment, all of a sudden, it becomes a reflex. And you saw there, it cost that one side in the Chiefs, and it ends up benefiting the Patriots. On the other side, man, you you, you feel for the Saints. But as everyone has pointed out, yeah, the game would have ended on that call. It's inexcusable. Right. You also had chances after that. So I have to give the Rams credit for taking that. And really, from what they did the end of the first half on, the Rams won that game starting in the two-minute drill to end the first half. That play just ended up being the one we talked about. What are your thoughts on um, on reviewing? Because I don't see how how reviewing it is going to help. Because because my my, my issue is on on the reviewing of uh, PI is is that if no flag is thrown, how can you review it? Because then if that's the case, you can review within two minutes or however they want to rule it. 
any kind of touching, any kind of, it can go kind of nuts. Yeah, it, it can absolutely can, and I, I don't know how you word it to accomplish this. I know they've done a version of this in Canadian football for a while uh-huh. where you can review interference, but I'd say you'd have to focus on obvious and egregious, and it would have to be limited to the focal point of the play. It can't be we're looking at this and all of a sudden we've on got a holding the on the field. other side of the field. Right. It's got to be pointed, and whether that's through a challenge system where maybe the coaches get another challenge and you can allocate one of those now over the course right. of it to challenge a specific portion of the play but in my mind it's just when you have it happen on this stage and the outcry is as big as it is the NFL is going to respond we see them do it all the time when quarterbacks suffer you know suffer wrongs right. or suffer injuries exactly. we make rules to account for them I think they're going to do something to adjust for this now now for you personally man I, it's one of those things where I've kind of watched you grow in the industry you know you're you know you might go to junior you might go to junior you know my goal son and, you know, people give probably a lot of credit to that, you know, for you to ascend because of family. Absolutely. But the thing about it is, you know, this game that we play, this 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 fun game that we play of broadcasting, it ain't for everybody. I don't care if your daddy's famous or not. If yeah. you can't get on this mic and do what you do, you're not going to you're not going to move up. I don't care how how famous your dad is. So can you talk to me about um, what is how it's been like for you to kind of move up in the ESPN ranks coming out of when you come out of college? and then you start your uh, broadcasting career. Yeah, uh, you know, first off, I, I think a lot of it goes to, like I said, very thankful for my dad. I mean, right. he's part of the reason I got the opportunity. My, I did. You know, Justin Craig, who's my programming director, is here with me now, was in New York and gave me opportunities to get on there when I was playing for a minor league in Brooklyn. And so you realize that you are the sum total of the opportunities of you're course. given. Mm-hmm. But like you said, this is also radio. This is, I mean, you were on for a long time. And so if you don't have the juice, you get exposed pretty quickly in a lot of this. And it, it was just for me, the fun of it was learning how to work hard all over again, because yeah. you go through sports and you learn the drills to do. And mm-hmm. I learned the exercises that make me feel prepared for what I'm doing. And then you get to this and it's a little more art than science. And right. it's a little more subjective than it is. All right, these are the steps and these are all the clear cut rules for this. And so it was learning how to, in a different avenue, work hard again, but relishing that opportunity because I knew I was coming in not with a target on my back but with an understanding that if some people felt some type of way about me being there because of my last name I understood it I was what did your dad say to you about that just being in the building said all you can do is be you if this is what you want to do and this is what you love doing then why let the opinions of someone outside influence that if this wasn't what I wanted to do that would have flamed out pretty quickly I'm on a show at four o'clock in the morning for God's sake (laughs) at at some point if you didn't love it you probably wouldn't be showing up for that every day but uh, no it was just that understanding that for me I was in prove-it mode, and that was the same way I was as a freshman coming into Notre Dame, as a rookie going into locker rooms in the NFL, was I always wanted to show people that I wanted to be here, that I was going to do the work everyone else was, rather than tell anyone anything or demand anything or ask. I'd never wanted to be a handout guy, right. and so that portion of it's been fun, and, and as you go along, my, my favorite conversations are the ones where someone goes, you know what, when you came in here, I didn't really think much of you because of your last name, and right. then I was around you, and I saw you work, and I really appreciate the job you're doing and so it's 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 like anything else earning respect along the way is a fun byproduct but I also just love what I'm doing it's fun I grew up around it and get the chance to do it every day and get to do it with my dad is pretty cool yeah and and talk to me about that opportunity that came your way so Greeny leaves to do his uh get up in the mornings and then you have Golas and Wingo and then they bring you at first when I saw I'm like are they bringing them on does it try him out is he a permanent fixture because you know ESPN juggles stuff like uh we like him for a week and no take him out so what was that 
maybe the first couple months like for you? Yeah, it was kind of figuring it out for everyone because I started off, I was on for an hour in each morning and then slowly, you know, six months in, it moves to two hours each. And even then we still would have conversation about just, you know, for me trying to find, and I always wanted to go over there because I hosted four to 6 a.m. solo before that show. Right. And so I wanted to come in with that two hours under my belt as a shot of energy. My dad, you know, my dad and Trey both been doing this for a long time, both waking up early as older guys. So right. everyone needs a little jump start in the and morning. And going. If I could be that, if I could come in and just and start to contribute that as well as, you know, contribute some younger ideas, contribute a different perspective to the conversation and uh, ultimately just have fun. I mean, I've known Trey for a long time, but know my dad for 29 years exactly. like there is a level of comfort that you just can't replicate with anyone else and we can set each other up in ways right. that other people wouldn't know to or understand and he from the time I started the first, very first time I filled in on Mike and Mike as someone who came on for a segment That's he was crazy. Putting, he was putting me in spots to win that without that I would have you know I was nervous as hell I would have fallen flat on my right. face so it, it's been working through that now for, you know, for a year Golik and Wingo we've been on for a little over a year at this point and, and, and doing well just it, it, finding that comfort zone yeah. Just doing that, you know, I mean, you know how this is. It's, it's mm -hmm. 10,000 reps. It's all that stuff that yep. we all have to build up over time. And getting to do that all together has been a really, really gratifying experience. I just want to give, let you give one advice, one little bit of advice to anybody who actually is in the business. Let's say you're already in the business, who are doing the 4 a.m. shifts, who can't wait to get to that morning show, who can't wait to get to that, you know, that primetime spot, you know, on, on their station. What are you saying to the people that are coming up in the, in this in this news business, in the sports business? Do you let them know, like, hey, man, just continue to do this, and, and you should see some success. Say yes to everything. I, I, I am still in a mode where I'm uncomfortable physically saying no. no to someone asking me to do something because every opportunity you learn a little bit more about, all right, what works and what doesn't? What my, What is my sound? What is my authentic voice when I get in front of a microphone? And most importantly, what version of preparation works best for me and so i think just by staying yes for everybody getting yeah, those right. varied reps in whatever it is the first show i ever worked on was a fantasy football show i had never played fantasy football a day in my life and they asked me you play fantasy i said sure and i went out and i got every fantasy magazine they had at the bookstore <laughs> and i sat there for a day and i asked people questions right. and you just you figure it out along the way and you start to figure out what i need to do to be ready what i need to do to feel my best when i step in front of the microphone and everything else just gets easier with the benefit of time so and that's the best advice people gave to me was say yes to everything and listen. It is a really underrated part of our job is actually listening to the people that you're talking to. It's amazing all the good stuff you find there. Hey, man, Michael Goldick Jr., man, I appreciate your time sitting down with me, man. Because, I, like I said, I watch you. I'm proud of you just just doing your thing, man, and, and continue to, and continue success for you, man. Really appreciate it. Thank you. I, I've been around a lot of celebrities in my life working in the entertainment business, but it was when I went to Radio Row, I was geeking out over these newscasters that I see every day when I'm watching sports. When I saw this next person, Michael Holly, I actually thought he was somebody else. I thought he was my boy, Fred. So I was like, Fred, what's up? He goes, no, my name is Michael. And that's when I recognized him because he used to have dreads back in the day. Then I recognized him. I'm like, oh my God, you're Mike Holly. And like I said, I, I'm a fan of his because I remember watching him on Around the Horn when I was, when I was younger. So he was kind enough to just come down and sit with me and talk about all things Boston sports and his career in journalism. Take a listen. First, let's talk about the Super Bowl, the matchup. Uh, you work in Boston, and it's like this is a, your annual trek to the Super Bowl. <laughs> it, it's, uh, what, just, yeah, just break that down, working in Boston in this freaking run since like 2001. Well, you're absolutely right. It, it's been crazy. It's been a blessing for sure. I I mean, it's, it's I haven't seen anything like it. I haven't experienced anything like it. Just from afar, looking at some other cities going through something like this. 
I mean, I, I left Boston very briefly in 2001. In September of, excuse me, October of 2001. I agreed in September. I went in October, left the Boston Globe at the time, went to the Chicago Tribune. You came to Chicago? For like three months. Got it. Okay. That's For three right. months. I, it was was like, quick. I don't remember you in Chicago. It was quick. It was quick. <laughs> and then I went back to Boston in December of 2001. And since that time, you think about it. Mm-hmm. You know, the amount of parades that have taken place, you know, the Patriots. The Celtics. Uh, yeah, the Red Sox. The, the, Bruins, the, Bruins, even, the Bruins. The Bruins even, got one. They, they lost to the Blackhawks and won in, in six games. Yeah. And then they beat the Canucks in, yeah. in, in five uh, in, in, in six games. So uh, it's been an incredible run. And, and for, for, been, a, for, for somebody who wants to do mm -hmm. wants to do sports journalism, it's the best situation you can imagine that, being And that's in. what I wanted to ask. Well, for, for you and your career, what does having a, a a run like this in a city, what does that do for your career? Like, does it, it's you know, for every other journalist in every other city, you know, they, they write their columns, they write their, you yeah. know, they do their beat writing or whatever. But when you're in a city that's championship, championship, parade, parade, different, you know, iconic yes, players, right. what does that do for your career? It, just in like whether it be networking, whether it be you know, increasing your 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 profile, profile and everything. Right. What, yeah, what does it what does it mean for you? Well, it means everything because you're in a market that matters. Mm -hmm. You're covering teams that matter at all times, and so the relevance. You know the relevance is going to be there. And then the opportunities. When I, when I got out of college, my thought was, I'm just going to write for newspapers the rest of my career. Mm -hmm. Newspapers were thriving at that time. We know some of the challenges, economic challenges, and newspapers are having right now. But at my core, I'm a writer. And so when teams are winning championships, okay, I got a book idea on, on the Patriots. Okay, that book idea comes to life because right. they're winning. I wasn't even thinking um, about that, right. The Red Sox. Uh -huh. hey, I got a book idea on the Red Sox. Okay, the book idea comes to life. You know, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm halfway working on a Celtics book right now. My editor doesn't want to hear me say that. but I'm working. So, so there have been a lot of opportunities in terms of writing, but also TV shows, radio shows, all these things go through the roof because your teams are always in the conversation. So right. more jobs have been created and everybody has been brought up. Everybody uh, in the Boston sports media. And I know a lot of people don't want to think of it that way mm -hmm. because we probably at times give ourselves more credit than we deserve. We think we're responsible for it. We're not responsible for it. We just happen to be in a good market and at the right time. Yep. At the right time, yes. So so because the, the, one of the biggest things that um, I remember was around the horn. How did you get that? How did that opportunity, was it because of being in Boston, how did you get that opportunity working around uh, around the horn at ESPN? Well, at that time, I was working for the Boston Globe. And you think about the history there at the Globe. You know, Bob Ryan uh, was doing his thing there at the Globe. Uh, Jack McMullen. I mean, they've had so many Hall of Famers. And I just named two Hall of Famers there. Ryan and McMullen are in the Basketball Hall of Fame. Yeah, uh, Will McDonough was a Hall of Fame football writer. Bud Collins, a Hall of Fame tennis writer. Right. Uh, Kevin Paul Dupont on hockey. I mean, it's just so many people. So at the time, when the show started, Ryan was doing it. Yeah. Uh, Ryan couldn't do it for like a week or two. I pinch hit for him. Then I started doing it. Um, so that was like around 2000, early in 2003. And it was, a, it was a lot of fun to do that show and talk to some of the 
some of the best minds around the country. I just loved your debate, and I, I loved your, your your debate style. It was like energetic, and it was yeah. like, it reminded me of some of my family members when you were <laughs> when you were going in because it, yeah. it, was, it was something. If you found something to be ridiculous, uh, yeah, it was like I was like your eyes, you, you like yeah. jump out of your seat. So um, for anybody that's trying to get into the business, because now it's a very digital business, and I feel like anybody, and there's a lot of people who feel like anybody can get into this business now because if you have a, a social media presence or a following an Instagram page that you can report to, how do you tell people now, tell these up-and-comer journalists to, to hone their craft? Oh, it's, it's a great question. I would say, first of all, know what you want to do. It's going with the sense. I mean, people who say they want to be in a business, it's going with the sense of what you want to do, and it may not necessarily happen that way immediately, but... Uh, just have a vision for for what you want to accomplish and be flexible. I think a lot of people get caught up in the destination and they think, okay, this job, it is not close to what I want to do right now. But mm -hmm. if you have a little bit of patience and a little bit of flexibility, you can start doing one particular job and who knows what opportunities are created. You asked me the around the horn question. Mm -hmm. How do I get started doing around the horn? Right. It's not that I went in saying, I'm gonna I do around do the mm -hmm. horn. Somebody uh, couldn't do the job and I just happened to be, be around yeah. and then I'm in, I'm in that position. I told you I wanted to write for newspapers my entire career. That didn't happen. But I wound up on the radio for 13 years. Right. Um, co-hosting a radio show in two time slots and in, in, uh, in midday and in drive time mm -hmm. uh, wound up on TV I'm teaching now as well so it's not because oh I'm so smart it's you've got to look at what the opportunities are and see if those make sense for you and Man. also uh, you know just really be uh, technically sound don't don't let anybody or don't let anything get in the way of your actual talent so uh, if you're a writer or read a lot more. Keep writing. Write every day, even when you don't feel like writing. Right. Even if you're writing, if you feel like it's, it's coming out cliches, if you're writing 400 words a day, 600 words a day, just keep writing, keep perfecting, rewriting. It's working on your craft. Uh, I, I can't let you go without talking about some, some topics real quick. Okay, let's do it. Um, let's um, of course, uh, you got the Patriots and the Super Bowl to win? You, I think so. I okay, think so. Yeah, yeah, okay. But I'm, I'm, not, I'm not over the top. I, mean, I saw some people... Uh, I work with Rob Ninkovich, former Patriot. He has him winning by 17 points. I don't see that. Uh huh. Um, Charlie Weiss, former offensive coordinator, said they're going to stop on him. I don't. I don't think so. I think they win it to be like a Patriot Super Bowl. They they usually win by by three, you know, th three to six. Hold on. Like a forecast, three yeah. to six. Yeah, and that, and that's how you usually and you usually have to come into the end to 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 pull it off. Yeah. Now I need to talk to somebody about Anthony Davis, bro. How. Okay, so when this broke and, and the situation that was going on, it was like, okay, um, they're setting this up. LeBron and the team, Rich Paul, yeah. setting this up to block the Celtics from having a chance at AD. Right. You know, they're trying to get, you know, him to get to the L.A. What are your thoughts on that? What is Boston talking about when it comes to AD? Just like just what anybody else would talk about with, with Anthony Davis. You want him. Mm -hmm. He's a great player. And I was having a, deb a debate with somebody last night, and they were asking, well, why doesn't he win more? You look at the dynamics of the organization, right. man. You know, they're, you, know, they're, they're, you know who their head of basketball operations is? The head, not the general manager. Isn't he the general manager of the Saints? Yes. <laughs> it's Mickey Loomis. So what do you think right now? Is Mickey Loomis thinking about making the New Orleans Saints better? No. Or is he thinking about making the Pelicans better? He's thinking about the Saints. He's thinking about, about the blow, Saints all, all the blown call in the conference championship game. He's thinking they, they were just at the Senior Bowl. They have the combine coming up next month. That's what he's supposed to be thinking right. about. He's not thinking about February. 
February 7th in the trade deadline. So it's a dysfunctional organization. Who knows who's got the power? Who knows what the vision is? I was talking about vision just a few yeah. minutes ago. What's their collective vision? Exactly. Who knows? Nobody so knows. I think that's part of it for Anthony Davis. He needs to be in a better organization, a better organization surrounded by talent that really complements his skills. Because let's be honest, nobody wants to see Boston get get into the bidding war. You can't get into a bidding war with Boston. They got a lot of stuff. They have a lot of stuff. And I think they'd be willing to move on from even a guy like Jason Tatum. Who's, okay, see there, there it you is. You wouldn't do it? Yes, no, 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 no. no. Here, see, a lot of people are saying that's he's They're the only, he's the only stop. untouchable. Stop, stop that. <laughs> Anthony, I want to hear from you. Give me your give me your top five uh -huh. players in the NBA. Top five long, players. Top five players. Okay, you got LeBron. You got LeBron. You got K, KD. You got James Harden. You got Steph Curry. You got. Giannis? I would have put Anthony Davis over Harden. Anthony I, Davis yeah. is better than Harden. Yeah, I can, I can give you that. I can give you that. I, my so whole, you, so my you're talking whole, about my, top five players? Yeah, he's top five player. yeah. So Jason Tatum has great potential. Right. But even if he meets his potential, what's that going to look like? He's going to be a first team? Is he going to be an all-NBA all first team player? I, guess, I don't know. It could I, be. Well, I guess the question is if you if you get rid of all your talent in, at Boston and you now you have Anthony Davis and now you have a, a, a really great player but n n not a team around him. I would give up. I would give up Jason Tatum if that's the the best player I have to give up in a deal. I'm doing it yeah, because I don't because I don't because because I don't think Jalen Brown's enough to get him. No, even Jalen Brown in three picks. Well, I'm like I'm gonna hit you with this. I give up both of them. <laughs> I, I, I give up Jalen and Jason. I think that's what you'd have to do. And a first round pick and two first and round probably picks. two. Yeah. Sure. Go yeah. ahead. Fine. Because, because I don't think anybody. I don't think any. I don't think the Lakers can even touch that when it comes to like the talent wise. But here's the funny thing to me. You want to know who I actually think has probably the best. The, the, who could make one of the best deals who, the for Knicks? him? No, the who? Bulls. <laughs> I, I I know AD don't want to play in Chicago, but we were talking about. I'm sitting back. Well, what could the Bulls offer? And I'm like, okay, Wendell Carter, okay. Lowry, probably Zion. Like right now, it's like they actually have a good. They actually have a, a good. But he just doesn't want to go there. We he, know that. Here's the problem. No matter what trade you make, it's up to him. Going, you're going to lose the trade. You're going to lose. Oh yeah. When you give up. When you give up a top five player. You don't win the trade. No, you don't. Just historically, the league right. doesn't. It just doesn't work like that. Now, a great player just has so much influence. It's so persuasive uh, to, uh, when it, when it comes to the bottom line. You can't win it. No. So, sure. I, I, that's why I keep saying, you know, you're throwing more draft picks. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, go ahead. Okay, give me a future draft pick. Okay, you got it. It, it doesn't matter. Go in the second round or two. Okay, it, it, you it got it. It doesn't matter because you can get the best player it, it, out out of the deal. And uh, and how how where do you think he's gonna end up? Where do you think he's gonna end up? And when do you think he's gonna end up? I think up? it's designed for him to end up in Los Angeles. I think he winds up with the Lakers by the trade deadline or in the summer. I think in the summer. You think in the summer? Yeah. I just I think that Rich Paul and and Anthony Davis have to make it very clear that they're not resigning anywhere else but LA. They've already done that. And the, the question is, would you do a Kawhi deal with Anthony Davis? Meaning. The guy, you know he's got a year left on this contract. He's giving you Paul no George promises, no assurances. You just go there and you hope that you can sell him. Things go well. He likes the community. The team, the team is winning. And he says, okay, I'll stay. I would do that for Anthony Davis. I would make that kind of deal and take my chances. Last thing. This just came out. Kyrie, they're saying that Kyrie feels it, it's a real thing that Kyrie Irving wants maybe re-team up with LeBron. What are your thoughts on that? I don't think so. Kyrie, and not because, oh, he could never leave Boston. I don't think it's, I think it's any team. Mm -hmm. I think he left Cleveland, and, and he told us the truth, but we really didn't want to hear it because the storyline wasn't sexy enough. Right. Storyline was, hey, 
I'm at a point now in my career where I can be a one. Mm-hmm. I can be the leader of a team. I can set the culture. I can set the tone. Everybody is looking to me to be the best player and the team spokesman. I will never be able to do that playing with LeBron James. So why would you do that? And, and, and no offense to anybody out there. Why would you move out from your fa- your parents' house? Right. Get your own place. Establish your own independence. And then go and back then in. Go back. I'm not doing it. Yeah. I love my folks, but I'm not doing that. <laughs> I'm not doing it. And that would be the equivalent for Kyrie Irving. Michael Holly, I really appreciate you stopping by and, you. And, and, and talking to me. Uh, how can they find you on social media, man? At uh, Michael S. Holly on Twitter. Check me out. Man, appreciate you, brother. Hey, love it. Thank now, you. I can't get out of here with having a short conversation with my boy J.R. Bang. J.R. Bang and I go way back. Way back. We go back to when I was teaching at this, uh, this Illinois Center for Broadcasting. And uh, he was working there as well. That's, that's how we uh, got together. And he's been doing his thing in, in radio. He's now the digital content creator for, like, several stations, making big money. You know, got a baby on the way. But him and I are sports heads, and we got a chance to sit down at Radio Row uh, for the Super Bowl and just chop it up a little bit. So here's my conversation with my boy, J.R. Bang. You know, I've talked to a few people today on the podcast, talked to uh, Michael Golick Jr., talked yes. to Michael Holly. Uh, but, you know, let's, let's get down to the nitty-gritty. And, okay. uh, and and talk about uh, the Super Bowl and uh, what your expectations are, right. uh, Mr. Bang. I expect a blowout. Really? Yeah, I don't expect this to be close. I expect the Rams to get shellacked. Really? Yeah. I have no faith in the Rams. I, I feel like it's going to be your normal. If the Patriots win, it's going to be a normal Patriots Super Bowl win. Nah. When has when have the Patriots ever blown anybody out in the Super Bowl? Never. Exactly. It's the first time for everything. It ain't gonna happen today. Yeah. I look. First of all, the Rams shouldn't be here. Part one. <laughs> the Saints. <laughs> Rams shouldn't be here. Part two. The Bears didn't make it because of a kicker. And Man. we beat the Rams. Yeah. The Rams are a good team. Uh-huh. I'm not saying that they're not, but the Rams defensively sucks. Now they so, have they have Aaron Donald. They're gonna, they're, gonna, they're gonna have a push up the middle. They and got you know Aaron Tom, Donald. Tom don't like no pressure up the they middle. They got they got Aaron Donald and ten guys named Fred mm. and Dominican Sue. He who who ain't been performing Talib. like who ain't been performing like he used to. Marcus Peters who will beat you up in the crowd. Yeah, he will. Yeah, he will. But nah, it's see that's 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 the thing that people are overlooking. I believe that during this time. This is when you see the defense comes out from Bill Belichick. He he does all the schemes is working because you don't have you don't have to do anything but focus on this one opponent. Uh-huh. And it's so quick two when it weeks, comes to playoffs. Two weeks of preparation. Two weeks of preparation yeah, man. against this offense, against Jared Goff, which I believe is a decent quarterback. However, I think under pressure with this defense, that coach. Oh, man. And then you got Josh McDaniels for two weeks that has to dissect this defense who, other than Aaron Donald, ain't that good. You know what? I think that the Patriots defense isn't that great. Um, I think they've played well over the last, you know, uh, couple weeks, especially in the playoffs. But I really do believe that it's going to be a shootout. Um, I have more faith. Look, I, I Tom Brady. Uh-huh. Love Tom Brady. Uh, he's the GOAT. Whatever. You, you know, you have Gronk who can give you two good plays. His, leg, his knees can give you two good plays in this game, and he'll still block. Yeah. Uh, Julian Edelman will get you them first downs. Yeah. 
but I truly believe explosive plays, it's going to come down to explosive plays, and I believe that the Rams can get more explosive plays. Even if they're not playing well, they can get enough explosive plays to beat the Patriots. You know I'm the, going with the Rams. Um, look, look here, man. Uh, Anthony Davis, he's been the talk of the NBA for the last few days, um, ever since, you know, Adrian Wojnarowski uh, said Wolf's that. Bomb. Yeah, he, he put a bomb and let people know that, you know, Rich Paul told the New Orleans Pelicans, like, look, AD is not going to resign and uh, go ahead and he got fined today fifty thousand. Yeah, I was about to ask you about that. I I don't know why because he didn't make it public, did he? Rich Paul did. Well, yeah, what he told because he told Adrian. Yep. Rich Paul, see what I what I believe people are not paying attention to is Rich Paul is setting up for life without LeBron. Also, yeah, he is. Like just like LeBron went to L.A. to to really further life after basketball. Mm-hmm. Rich Paul is trying to further life after LeBron. That's why he's getting all of these basically he's the new David Falk. He's yeah. the Scott Boris of basketball. Yeah he is. And he has the prize fish which is Anthony Davis right now. Yeah Ben Simmons. He also Simmons. has Ben Simmons and a couple of other top flight right. you know um, players. And, he, and he's going to get more. Yes he's going to get more. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing that I'm looking at is just the landscape of things. Now, Rick Buecher um, of Bleacher Report, I believe, yeah. um, says that Kyrie is very open to rejoining LeBron. Um, I, I talked to Michael Holly, but right, you know, a little, a little while ago, mm-hmm. and, he, and he doesn't believe that. He, no, I don't believe it either. Mm-hmm. I believe that Kyrie is going to New York, and I believe that Kevin Durant is going to New York. I I, um, I, agree, I agree with you. Really, Charles is the precursor of all this. I need to move because uh, yeah, because he went wanted, to Phoenix. He yep. went to Phoenix. Yep. And he, and he, he forced that Houston, move. And he forced that move. Yep. You know? So he's really the person who kicked Blame, all of this up. Blame Chuck. That's right. Blame Chuck. Because Chuck is the one that's talking about all these, all you super teams. And Chuck, you're the first one to do all these BS. Right. Let's stop it. So so you have a lot of great players. Dominique Wilkins, who, who never won a ring. Mm-hmm. You have a lot of great players who didn't win rings because – because Larry Bird, Magic Johnson, Michael Jordan, Tim Duncan, Shaquille O'Neal, Kobe Bryant stopped them. Yep. So, hey, man, I got to get a ring to solidify my legacy. Right. So let me go get that ring. Let me go. They're ring chasing early. Yeah, in their careers. Gary Payton. They went into the into their old right. and done. Gary Payton went to the Lakers. Then he went to Miami. He got the ring in, in Miami. Miami. Yep. These players was like late in their careers, ring Carl chasing. Malone was, Carl Malone, was, ring it, chasing, was all didn't happen. Kobe's wife's DMs. You These know. players are 26, 27, 28 oh, years man. old, ring chasing. Yeah, anyway. Uh, JR Bang, yes. uh, tell them how they can find you on social media. You can find me at JR Bang on anything and everything. J R B A N G, no Z, no S, just JR Bang. Hey, y'all. Thank you for listening to the Mind of Med podcast. We really appreciate you. Super Bowl week here in Atlanta. It was supposed to snow, it didn't snow. Um, yeah. Worried about ice? Maybe might happen. Who chilly. knows? It's cold. It's really cold. Yeah. But yeah, that's what it is. See y'all next time. All right. Peace.